Welcome back to the It's All Opinion podcast, the only podcast that gives you straight facts. And if it's not facts, it's just an opinion. This is episode nine. Thank you for watching on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. I'm probably forgetting some, but I guess that's the point. There's just so many ways for you to watch and listen. So however you're watching and listening, thank you for doing so. I am your host, Nate Sperlin. Do us a favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Don't have to do it now, but at some point, during our broadcast, I, I guess I could say broadcast. I mean, you know, we're broadcasting this, not live, but we're broadcasting this. So some point during our broadcast, you may be like, that's a valid point. I want to subscribe to the channel. So whenever you decide to do that, thank you for that. Check out all the Old Milk content on oldmilk.co. Um, that being said, just to quickly get into it here, I am here with Denzel Rogers of the Bronx Bias Podcast. Thank you for coming on. The Bronx Bias Podcast is a podcast that covers almost everything under the sun. So that being said, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. If you guys don't know, I'll spoil it. My guy, Nate, has appeared on my podcast. It'll be episode 101. It's dropping very soon. We talk about a lot, a lot of good stuff on there. So I'm happy to be back and return the favor to you. Thank you for... um. Honestly, I, I I enjoy being on your show was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had on any type of podcast whatsoever. So definitely check that out. Um, if not for me or for Denzel, just for a good time. Um, but that being said, I have my first question. We're going to start talking about a little bit of podcaster, um, a little bit of podcaster banter, and then we're going to get into sports, the, th- the thing that you guys probably came to see anyway. But that being said... Um, Denzel, my first question to you is, what inspired you to start a podcast? What inspired me to start, you know, I think it's just because I've been a talkative dude my whole life, bro. Like, I can't stop. I feel like I can't stop talking. I feel like if something happened to me where my vocal cords, like, got destroyed and I could no longer speak, like, I wouldn't want to be alive anymore. (laughs) Like, from middle school or elementary school, middle school, high school, like that's all I've been doing. That's all I've been doing is just chatting, running my mouth. And then, you know, with the influx of COVID, like I I got laid off my, my job. And I said to myself, let's do this shit. You know, I just said like, let's do this shit, you know? And ever since I made that decision, like it's been the best decision for me. I, I feel so blessed to be in this position. And I'm just happy that I have found something that like rewards you for being this type of person, you know, like you work at, let's say you work at the bank or something. You can't have 30 no. minute conversations with each person. The line will be, will be long. <laughs> Everybody will be mad door. at you. You know what I mean? So like this Avenue is like perfect for me. So that's, that's really the reason. Like I love to talk. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. That kind of um leads me into my second question, which is, from the outside looking in as someone someone who may be watching this right now, they may be looking at it and be like, oh, oh, these guys are, they're just talking like there isn't really much else that they're really doing. But can you talk about the some of the things that one may not have been apparent to you when you started podcasting that you realized are necessary to be a good podcaster? And also 
in addition, just some of the difficulties that um, from the moment that you went into podcasting, you knew would be um, would be there in the first place, would be tangible, tangible difficulties in the first place. So like one of my favorite things, like because I do Q&A on my show, um, you know, from listeners and stuff and I answer their questions. Everybody thinks that talking is so easy because everyone talks, right? You go to school, you talk, you work, talk, you go you talk to people in the grocery store, whatever. So everyone naturally thinks it's easy to talk and it is, but it's not at the same time because you're doing a podcast, you know, your job is not only to just speak to the other person, it's also to be entertaining, it's to be enlightening, it's to be informative, it's sometimes to be controversial with your opinions. And you can't just take an average Joe off the street and put a microphone in their face and say, hey, be Stephen A. Smith. Like, that's not possible. You know, it takes a long time to be able to understand timing, rhythm, understand how to create banter, how to improv on the spot and come up with questions out of the blue based off things that you were talking about previously. Like, it's so much more than just running your mouth, you know, because I'm sure we've all heard podcasts or we've talked to people who just talk but it's not, they're not saying anything. They're just talking. So that's one of the things that people, I suppose, should understand more about pod. And it's not just running your mouth. It's like you running your mouth with a purpose or you have to be able to adapt to the situation so you can have the best conversation with your guest or in general. And difficulties, man, like I'm self-taught. So I had to learn how to edit. I had to learn how to, you know, get clips and chop up and, I had to learn my timing. I had to learn my rhythm. I had to learn how to transition topics. I had to learn how to be a good interviewer with guests because a lot of the times the people I get on my show are people who haven't had any experience with speaking. And so it's my job to essentially make a no pressure environment that I can get the best out of you. That's my job. I'm like a coach. Like my job is to get the best out of it. Yeah. You know, well, is Greg Popovich my favorite coach? I mean, he's he's arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah, I don't want to say Phil Jackson. That's a cop out. All right, I'll go pop. I'll pop. I'll go pop. <laughs> I mean, you could go Steve yeah, Kerr so- too if if you if you'd like. Nah. Eric Spolstra. Pop. There there are good names out there. Spolstra. From- that, boom. That's that's Spolstra. I like Spolstra. Okay. Spolstra. Uh, okay. Spolstra. So yeah, that's my job. Like my job is to take you, bring you in to the to my world because this is essentially what I understand, what I know, and my job is just to understand that we're recorded and it may be a little added pressure that comes with that, but it's my job to make you comfortable, to try to get the best answers out of you. And also we can go off script. Like just because we may have a plan in place doesn't mean that our conversation can't take us to different places. And then it's also my job to bring us back in. So the responsibilities of a podcaster, you know, are more than just being able to speak. You know, it's like you have to be able to multitask. You have to be able to be multifaceted in the things that you can talk about. You have to be able to make people comfortable. You have to be able to, you know, just do a whole bunch of things that the average person looks on the outside and says, oh, well, they're just talking. Mm -hmm. So within that. You said that you are someone who has always been talking for your entire life. You've always been, um, if, <laughs> if you would excuse the phrase, the chatterbox. Um, I'm sure yes. many of your teachers would would would, would uh, co-sign that <laughs> nickname. Um, so do you, what are some ways that you see your podcasting skills, um, you use your podcasting skills in your everyday life? Like 
for, for example, for me, um, one thing that I've started saying to like get more out of people in regular conversation that would have never said before I did podcasting was tell me more about that. Mm. And that those three, four words right there gets you so much more information out of somebody um, than just being like, oh, okay, I feel you. Or like, damn, that's crazy. Like, you're not going to get nothing out of that. So what what are some tips that you've picked up from podcasting that have translated to your everyday life? Well, for me, I think just because naturally I'm talkative, it's also very important to listen. That's that's something I've had to learn, like, because you're so you're ready to just let it go. Your opinions, your hot takes. It's very important to listen. Listen is more important than speaking. But also, like, I feel like, you know, once you understand, I think it's more like I can better understand situations. Like I'm better at reading body language. I'm better at, you know, my ESP, my Professor Xavier, you know, it's gotten so much better because like you can tell how a person is feeling based off how they're conversating with you. So if I'm asking somebody a question and it's two word answers, three word answers, that'll signal to me, okay, maybe they're uncomfortable with this line of questioning. Maybe they are not, feeling confident in themselves maybe they're just having a little difficulty it's not you it may be them so it's taught me to like always be pliable always be willing to adapt the situation things that you think are going to start as one way always will change you know in the pod world i say two plus two never equals four mm -hmm. it equals five six seven eight three Ish. negative one pi all of that and so you just gotta like be able to adapt so Podding has like helped me in a lot of social situations adapt to what's going on, adapt to the quick changing of people's ideas or people's opinions. It just helped me to like be a chameleon in a sense. Like mm -hmm. I can shape shift to fit any type of conversation that's happening, whether it's about music or pop culture or sports or politics or science or cars, whatever. I've been able to learn how to shift and be able to be in all different types of conversation you see i'm doing my little kim right here <laughs> but like <laughs> i've been able to do that like just just building that skill off pod and like i'm able to have a conversation with anyone about anything at any time and so like that's one of the biggest helps for me so in my future you know i never know where i'll be if there could be somebody who loves you know history or artifacts or something because I've had so much experience in pod and I may be able to have a conversation with them about that. And then our good interaction may lead to, they want to interact with me again or opportunities open for me in another field or in another, in another place that's related to it, but not necessarily. So I think it's just helped me really become like a shape shifter or something, or like, you know, just someone able to fit into numerous different, you know, spaces. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think that also the, the versatility that you talk about as well. I think before podcasting, I would, you ever like want to tell someone something and like you're in the shower and like you're you're plotting out the whole conversation in your head. Like I'm gonna say this and then they're gonna say this and then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be offended by that. So then I'm gonna say this and then like having that, like that isn't something, that isn't an exercise that, um, that is exists for me anymore because of podcasting, understanding that all of that exercise and all that planning is basically futile. And instead of um, planning out exactly what you're gonna say, just make sure you plan out the basic points that you wanna get across and then leaving it up, trusting yourself in the moment um, to 
get across those points, how you need to get across those points in the moment. Um, so I definitely agree with you that versatility throughout, just being able to hold a conversation with someone, stay engaged, have them feel like you care about what they want to say, even though sometimes you may not care, but it's okay. Um, so I guess this is my last final last hurrah about podcasting before we get into some sports, some baseball Mets and Yankees talk. Um, <laughs> so looking at the landscape of podcasting right now, I, one hot topic that I see um, continuously propping up is the concept of the alpha male podcast. So how do you feel about those types of podcasts? Like, do you watch them? Do you, um, is that something that you want to be on one day? Um, or do you feel like those are, those podcasts give the whole genre of podcasting a bad name? Well, I think it's like, you look at it multiple ways, right? Like I, I appreciate the fact that the people are potting, you know what I mean? Like just as a potter, like I like to see people try. I like to see people make the attempt. I like to see people have the conversations. I appreciate it. Um, and the alpha male genre, it's like, you know, if it's for you, it's for you. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily for me. I don't think that that's endearing, you know, in any kind of way, like to come up and be like, yo, like I could have six girlfriends, but <laughs> they could only have me like, or every time I come home, yo, you should have the steak ready. You know, I shouldn't even have to ask you. You should be running my bath water. Like, look, bro, if you're a person out there and that entertains you or that intrigues you or you share some ideals in that sense, then, hey, good. You know, I'm, I'm happy that that's out there for you and I'm happy that you can enjoy it. Um, but although it's not my cup of tea, I don't think. I honestly think that shit is trash to be 100% honest. <laughs> Agreed. But like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, you ruin it for everybody. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like everybody's skills are different. You know, everyone's taste level is different. Everyone's aesthetics are different. So just because, you know, that's what they're into, that don't mean, even though it's not for me, don't mean I have to say, oh, it's trash or you, you know, you're ruining the whole thing. Like it's everything changes, everything adapts. So just like we see like, you know, let's say like when Steph came in the league, right? Shooting threes before back in the day, if you shot that many threes, your ass would be on the bench. You would be on the bench. You would be on the bench. You would be riding the pine. So, mm -hmm. and then when, you know, when he started doing that so much, there was a lot of people saying, oh, he's ruining the game. Kids don't learn the fundamentals. Kids just want to shoot, blah, blah, blah. He's ruining the game. But we realize and we understand that he's proven his greatness, how much uh, of a wrinkle he's brought to the game, how much he's changed the game in a positive way. And so just because I don't necessarily agree with that style doesn't mean that that style doesn't have a place. And one thing that I think people need to understand is if you don't like something just in general, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to tune in. You don't have to give an opinion on it. Ignoring something that you don't like is the most the best thing to do. You know, it, hate in this business is just as good as love. Yeah. If you hate me and you're talking about me, you're still talking about me. That's why Skip so Bayless still, still has a job. You're still helping me get money. You're still helping me get publicity. You're still helping open doors for me. So if you really hate me, if you really disagree with what I'm saying, or you're really not interested, the best thing to do is to not engage with it, to not pay attention to it. So, you know, I ain't going to sit here and be, you know, a hater like, oh, F these, F these dudes. Nah, bro. It just ain't for me. And that's, and that's, 
really all it has to be. It's not for me. So, hey, you guys out there, if you guys are getting young ladies to cook you dinner every day and run your bath water, more power to you, my brothers. More power to you. But I just won't be watching that shit. <laughs> no, me neither. It's it's something <laughs> it's something that is increasingly becoming unavoidable, though, just like scrolling through Twitter. Like I can't go through um, just an average 15 minutes on Twitter and not encounter one of those things, <laughs> which is kind of kind of irritating to me. I guess I need to start um, muting some people or muting some um, some <laughs> types of content in my Twitter feed. But I think that's the only thing. I think that that because it's so popular or so popularized, or that's the hottest topic about um, black men in podcasting right now. Like when I think that's probably the first thing that comes to mind when we say black men in podcasting would be the alpha male type podcast. So in that way, I think that it kind of, it kind of distracts from the other black podcasters out there like you or like me who, um, we're not just on here just to talk shit about, or we're not out, we're not on here talking about, um, in a, in a insecure way, kind of, of she needs to do this, she needs to do this, she needs to do this or, or whatever. We're genuinely trying to have conversations, um, you about culture, any type of culture at all, me about music and, and at times sports as well. So, um, I think from that way, it kind it may sully the bunch a tad bit, but I also agree with what you said in terms of if you don't like something, you don't have to engage with it. And I guess it's just up to, hoping that the content that we produce kind of shines through the cracks of what is right now the I guess the main focus of or the main connotation that people associate with a black man having a podcast you know yeah and also like you know you gotta understand like people are everyone we're in the microwave society everyone everybody wants things quick so there's a lot of people out here who even just make up these personas like, OK, I'm going to take the angle as if I am this person. And just because I understand that this is what's bubbling right now and I'm trying to get my impressions up and I'm trying to get my likes up so I can make this bread. You also got to look at it like that. Like a lot of these people, this is all entertainment. These people, we are essentially actors. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're not like this all the time. I mean, I am, but. I understand yeah, I, I in, certain <laughs> in certain situations, you know, that's not like the best approach. Right. So mm -hmm. there are times like you understand, like, OK, this guy or this lady or whomever, they're just maybe acting. They're putting on a front like they're putting on a, a, a gimmick in a sense, just because they understand the landscape. And if people are continually clicking on this, whether they love it or they hate it, there's still it's still the click. It's still the view. It's still the impression. So, you know, you even got to take that with a grain of salt. Is this person even really like this? Realistically, <laughs> if this if this is an average Joe like you or me, could he tell a young lady that and get away with it? You know, so Probably you not. even got to look at it through that <laughs> lens. How many women out there are going to be like, OK, cool. <laughs> You can have six girlfriends and I only got you and I got to make you dinner every day and rub your feet and all that. Cool. That's cool with me. You know, so you even got to look at it like that. You know, this shit is all entertainment at the end of the day. And a lot of entertainment is false. It's fake. It's a impression of society. It's a fabrication. So, you know, you, you, 
Yeah, whatever. The dude, what's the dude? He just got banned from all the platforms. I believe his Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate. Yeah. I'm sure if that dude start like a Patreon or he just funnel everything through his own website, there's still going to be people who patronize him. So he, in a sense, this controversy that he's created, if he's smart enough, can elevate his brand. And I'm sure at the end of the day, that's what we all want. You know, we all want that success. We all want them dollars. So however you get it, I can't tell one man, this is the only way that you can make money. No, you, you can make money however you want. As long as the checks is clearing and as long as dudes ain't outside trying to fight you. Hey, go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Speaking of entertainment, let's shift gears a little bit to some sports talk. Let's talk baseball first. Um, all right. You're going to make me mad. <laughs> all right. Let me let me let me loft the. Let me loft the let's let's say a cutter. Let me let me throw a cutter at you real quick. How scared are you as a Mets fan of the Atlanta Braves? Um, I am actually rather I wouldn't say scared. I don't want to say that word. You know, we just I got that athlete's mentality. I ain't scared of nobody. I ain't scared of nobody. But it's all uh, fun the games. So LeBron's on the other side of the court. Let me say that. Hey, LeBron James. <laughs> Some of them are scared. LeBron James, greatest basketball player ever. You should be scared. Did you hear uh, Kendrick Perkins talk about how he was um, praying for LeBron James? Yes. To get... <laughs> Some of them are scared. <laughs> Let me just say that. But um... Well, you never admit it, right? Even if you are, you never admit it. He did. Um, but the Braves have always, the Braves, you know, the, our division opponents, essentially, the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins, even, even though they haven't been good for a long time, they always give us trouble. I just think, and the Nationals, of course, um also shout out bring back montreal like i don't you know whatever anyway <laughs> that's just all the tangent um but the braves have always given us trouble the braves always play us well whether it's in atlanta or in new york they always play us well they always have good players they seem to always make good deals at the deadline last year they their deadline deals got them the world series it, really so and they have good players acuna riley and they have good pitchers and stuff so they always pose a threat to the Mets. Always. They're always going to be. I remember my earliest days watching baseball. Chipper Jones, bro. Oh, my God. Like, he was just. He named his kid after Shea Stadium because that's how well he played against the Mets. Like, the Braves have always had players like that, right? So mm. I'm always, in a sense, always aware of where the Braves are, right? Because, again, I think they're the best team in the division aside from the Mets. But I think that this Mets team that we have, one thing I'm seeing and I'm really happy about is like these dudes, I think, really give a fuck about each other. Mm -hmm. Like they are a very well connected team. They're always hugging. They're whispering in each other's ear. Yo, he threw me the cutter right here or he threw me the curveball. So watch out for this. Like they're always rooting for each other. And so I think that camaraderie and the team spirit that they built, along with the great players that we do have, is going to be able to. Even if the Braves somehow creep on us and get the division, I think we're still going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm very confident about my Mets. Um, I love Pete Alonzo. I love Lindor. I'm glad he's playing well because last season I was worried or the first season he got there, I was worried. But And we got Jacob DeGrom. He's yeah. back, even though he had to miss that start, but he's back. Mm -hmm. We got Mad Max, Blue Eye, Brown Eye. I think that's the coolest shit ever. Two different color eyes. Like... And he's a fucking gamer. Like, he don't want, he never want to leave the mound. 
he had 150 pitches in the fifth inning. Yeah, he still no, want to he, be on he's the He's still mound. there. Yeah. So I just love the team. I love that Buck Showalter's there. Um, you know, old vet who's gonna get the best out of you, who everybody respects because he's been in the league for so long. He's done so much. I just really, I'm really optimistic about the Mets, and it's just good to root for a good Mets team. You know, it's like different, like City Field, different. Watching the games on TV is different. Mm-hmm. You know, and Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling are the best in the business, baby. Yeah. No, you I already know. I agree with that. I you already that. know, baby. So the, the only, the only. I'd give the Dodgers announcing team, like in terms of like listing possible competition to SNY, I'd probably give the Dodgers team up, uh, put them up there. The Cubs, obviously, and the White Sox is probably it off the top of my head. I mean, some people will argue Yankees, but it depends who's calling the game for the Yankees, for the Yankees broadcast. Like some people like Michael K is trash. I like, I like Ryan Rucco. Like when he gets those little replacements though, like, those are good. And he has um Cameron Mabin, the former Yankees outfield. I think he played outfield. Um, that's that's a good pairing. But the the Sia and all that is kind of corny to me. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Or even the old dude, he'd be like, I don't even know his name. I think he do radio. He'd be like, the Yankees win. The Yankees win. Oh, get this 1920 yeah, no. dude out of here, bro. <laughs> get out of here with that. Back, we, back, Gary Cohen gang. Nah, Gary, Gary Cohen. I like the 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 camaraderie within them cracking jokes. Cause I'll I'll watch some of the other baseball broadcasts out there, and if the two people in the booth don't interact much with each other, it's kind of dead. It's kind of boring to watch. But you need that. Yo, I'm yo, I'm gonna tell this joke real quick, and then you're gonna respond to me, and then we're gonna have this little podcast banter just to keep people engaged. Exactly. Especially when you have a good team like the Mets that can blow teams out. Like, what are you going to do for four innings? That's when you really need that. My segment, my favorite parts of that is like, if it's like 10-1 and the Mets are winning, right? And then all of a sudden they'll start pulling out baseball cards. Keith will tell a story about some wild occurrence, you know, or like they'll eat donuts on camera. Like, (laughs) oh, we just got these new donuts. Like, (laughs) these dudes are just chilling, like. You know, have just you, hanging out with each other. So that's why they're the best. Have you seen this um buck cam that they have? Like whenever a Mets batter gets hit, they yeah. show Buck Walter <laughs> right buck on Walter, his face. And then they have like the red screen on <laughs> that's hilarious to me. Um so back to the Mets. One everybody obviously was looking at Luis Castillo going to the Mariners Mariners, excuse me, as like a huge deal, obviously rightfully so. Um, looking at what the Yankees did and how they possibly might have ruined their team, although I don't think so. I think that they're going to be better for it. But I think one trade that is going under the radar but may be one of the best trades of this midseason trade deadline was the Mets acquiring um, Daniel Vogelback. I think that he has been the spark plug. He has been the player that the Mets – didn't know they needed until they got him. Yeah, I. What agree. do you What do you think about his his um performance I, so far? I and like what do you that, see him taking the team? I like that he that they they made the a deal for him. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, you know, I like Dom Smith, and maybe this is too deep Mets, but I am a fan of Dom Smith. I do like him, but I understand that his place, his role on the team, really wasn't going to serve us in the long run. So for us to just say, "Hey, bro, you gotta hey." 
sorry, you got to sit down, you got to go to AAA, just rock out down there, or we'll try to move you somewhere where you can play. Look, I understand because Vogelback, it's protection for Pete Alonzo. Mm-hmm. It's protection for Lindor. And, uh, you know, those are really the the power guys. You know, I would say Lindor, Alonzo, and Vogelback. You know, we got Nemo and McNeil. They're slap hitters, hustle, steal bases. Marte, the same, even though he's got a little bit of power. But we're really relying on those guys for RBI. You know, you see Daniel Vogelback, how big he is. He's mm-hmm. not taking an extra base. No. <laughs> we got him literally for the purpose to protect Pete Alonzo so they don't pitch around him purposely because then you have to face him mm-hmm. and also to drive in runs that Nemo and Marte will create, you know, stealing bases, hustling, bunt hits, things like that. So I just think like his position is well needed. You know, you kind of don't even see that type of baseball player anymore. You yeah, used to no. see it a lot back in the day, just those big tanks. The only just... comparison that you can have right now is really Albert Pujols. Yeah. Um, um, St. Louis. Because, and maybe, um, uh, uh, what's the guy, Nelson Cruz? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like he's playing he's playing for a team that we're not <laughs> nobody cares about though. yeah <laughs> unfortunate as unfortunate as it is I, I feel so bad for him but like because he's a really good player but nobody cares about before as a matter of fact um when you were listing the Mets uh division rivals I had on top of my head I had Braves Phillies Marlins and I completely forgot the Nationals existed until you <laughs> until you mentioned them I was like oh that's that's the fifth one okay yeah. like so that being said, I think the one other thing about Vogelback that is very important on top of the fact that he provides protection for Pete Alonzo is that he's not out there just to swing, just to swing. Like he will take a walk. And there aren't many players that are used as protection in or, who will still take that walk. And I appreciate that aspect of his game as well. I think that I think the word I think aside from the Dodgers, which obviously so they're the Death Star as I call them. Um, the Mets have to be the favorites in the National League for the World Series, and I don't because the Central has. I guess you could argue the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are kind of up and down. And like, when are we really? They have Yadier Molina, um, Wayne Wright, and they're relying on Pujols right now. Um, when are they going to break down? Right in this 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 season. Hopefully not, because this is supposed to be their last ride, and it'll be amazing to see them make a deep playoff run and see Pujols get 700. But if we're being realistic, at some point, the wall is going to come. So I think that the Dodgers, the Mets, you always have to look at the Braves because they are the champions. We do have to respect them. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm Something just isn't – I think they have a chance to win like they won last year in terms of nobody really predicting them. But then when we look back on it, it's like, how could we have missed this? Right. But for now, I'm comfortable missing it because the, the Mets look really good and the Dodgers look really good. And I think that those two teams will, one of those teams will represent the National League in the World Series. Yes. Um, and I like my Mets against the Dodgers in playoff baseball. Uh, two, well, you I'm have 2000 to see it. and 2006 and 2015. I remember those. We swept them in 2006, and we beat them in five in 2015. This is so, a different Dodgers team. <laughs> uh, listen, Kershaw <laughs> was – we beat them when they had Kershaw, Grinky, 
and like we beat them. Like it wasn't like it, we stole that. We their whole lineup now is just you can't walk anybody. You can't avoid anybody in that lineup. It's you have true. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Freddie Mookie. Freeman, Max Mookie's Muncy is nice. starting to figure it out. Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor is amazing. Um, but Bueller got hurt. He's out for the rest did, of the season. He did it, but they got but they got um Justin Mayback. So that's I, basically. A I listen. I would. I rather face Justin Mayback or Walker Bueller in Game Five of a postseason game. Justin. I mean. I mean. Excuse me. Dustin May is really good though. But I he would rather Cy, face him. Got, him but he almost got Cy Walker Young last Bueller. year though. Before he before he got hurt. Walker Bueller is different. Bro. He is. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, it's, you're replacing one Cy Young contender with another. Like it's like replacing Max Scherzer with Jacob Degrom on a lesser extent, but essentially the. And let's not forget, we got Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Come on now. They're going to have Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Taiwan Walker, Chris Bassett. We got some dudes. We got Diaz coming in with the trumpets. I got got one name for you before we have to cut, before Zoom kicks us off. Julio Urias. Yeah, he's he's good. I like him. Okay. I like him. (laughs) All right. So I guess this is a commercial break. Okay. What do I want? It's a question that everyone eventually has to ask themselves. The key motivator for every action taken. The cause behind every effect. So, what do I want? I want to go to a sporting event in every major venue. I want to grow within my relationships with my friends and my family. I want the freedom to create without the fear of failure. I want to dream without being hindered by reality. I want to chase new passions, new experiences, and new goals. I want old milk to branch out of the box and try new things. I'm accomplishing some of these goals right now, and I know what I need to do to achieve the rest of them. However, the one thing you should take away from this commercial is, I want you to buy old milk merch. All right, and we're back with a small commercial break. Um, back to talking about baseball, um, a, a, a topic that Denzel may not like. I just have one question. So about the New York Yankees, your, your rivals in a completely different league. Um, so this was a team that started out and they looked to be on a record-setting pace. Mid-season, they make some trades. They also have some players go down, and then they just completely fall off a cliff. It appears that everyone is panicking except me. I am not panicking because I understand that Judge doesn't have the protection that he used to have, so they can't pitch to him. Rizzo is kind of slumping a little, but he's still a really good player, but that's not... He also is someone that needs protection as well. So Stanton is hurt. Carpenter is hurt. Staten is supposed to come back this week, I believe. Carpenter is supposed to come back in September. So that being said, my whole take on this whole thing is when you put the whole team together and you have a the first six players out the box or out the um in the lineup being Benintendi, some combination of Judge, Rizzo, Carpenter, and Stanton, and then six Lemehu, they're still going to be the team to be in the American League. What do you say about that? Um, I think that maybe your biggest, your only team you really got to worry about in the AL is the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, generally you, the Yankees, I think 
getting off to that big start has helped them, you know, because that happens to every team. Injuries are part of the game. Slumps are part of the game. It happens. It's just the way it is. Um, so I think getting off to that big lead will help give you enough cushion um, in at least in the division to get into the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the Yankees, I don't know what their pitching situation is like. I know Gary Cole, hurt. of course, but like, I, yeah, I, th- I don't think their pitching <laughs> is hurt. great. So I think just building that big cushion has mm-hmm. is been really beneficial for the Yankees. And also, I think it's just like how the Yankees are like the Yankees. Everyone loves them so much because they have 28 world championships. But mm-hmm. essentially, they built just a big enough cushion on everybody because a lot of I don't even respect most of their World Series because they won all of them in the 10s and the 20s. Well, you know, the sport crazy? wasn't even integrated. You know what's you know wild, I mean? crazy, Babe Ruth, If Babe Ruth had to face pitchers like Satchel Paige even, he wouldn't be this good. Audience, like he, watch this. He played against plumbers and mailmen and dudes who were substitute teachers, and he ate hot dogs and drank beer. That is not a modern-day athlete. That would be like Kyrie Irving playing against Bob Cousy. He's getting worked. He is. Bob so that's, that's work. the Yankees. The Yankees built such a big cushion on everybody. Can I, can that, I just you interject know, now one they're thing. still seen as this way? Can I can I just interject one thing real real quick? From the Derek Jeter years alone, they have still won more championships from that point forward, from that point to now than the New York Mets. Well, look, man, if we had, if the Mets had Derek Jeter, uh Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada. Bernie Williams, Matsui. We got cat. The Mets got Kaz Matsui. The Yankees got Hideki Matsui. Okay. That's the difference in the in the players. Okay. So if we would have had those guys, I'm sure we would have been as successful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, man. I'm from the Bronx. I love everything <laughs> about the Bronx. I cannot stand. The New York Yankees. I cannot stand them. I think their stadium is awful. I think those pinstripes. No, the pinstripes are classic. I ain't gonna shit on those. But the away uniforms are trash. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I just and Derek Jeter. I love and respect. I even watched the um the captain joint on mm-hmm. uh ESPN. I liked it. I think Derek Jeter is the most like the if you want to learn how to be a professional like you watch Derek Jeter's career the ultimate professional and winner so i will never come on this platform and say anything negative about Derek Jeter and and also some other yankees players were good like i like bernie williams i like mariano rivera but as the yankees as a whole please if they <laughs> lose every other game for the rest of this season i do not care i hope aaron judge gets 500 mil and so that way no one else could get on the team and then they're in last place for, you know, the next 20 years or so. That, that would be my dream. Well, I guess the one thing I want, the one thing I'll say to kind of put a bow on this and then we can talk about football for a little bit is when you're looking at the pitching situation, the, the pitching situations for the Mets and the Yankees are kind of similar right now from the standpoint of at full strength, they're really good. But both teams, especially in the bullpen, have been hurt. When you look uh, at when you look at the Yankees, they have Garrett Cole, who, right. in my opinion, isn't the ace. I think Nestor Cortez is the ace, who is you really, think so? really good. Yeah, Over Nestor Garrett Cortez Cole? is way more consistent than Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole has those moments. Like I remember, I was trying to watch Luis Castillo's first game as a Seattle Mariner, 
And I was outside Yankee Stadium. And for some reason, I don't know why the line was extraordinarily long this day, but it was extraordinarily long. I was out there for, I want to say, 40 minutes in line trying to get into the stadium. During those 40 minutes, it was only one inning being played. The reason why one inning was played was because Garrett Cole allowed six runs. So he has those moments from time to time where he just falls off a cliff. Nestor Cortez, on the other hand, is someone who he's a recent development from in the last two years. Um, Additionally, they're paying attention to his pitch count because he has never pitched this much in a season because that's how recent of a development he is. But when he's on, he's on. Additionally, you have Frankie Montas, who the first two or three games that he played in a Yankee uniform were not good. He just played, I think he pitched last night and he pitched the Yankees to win over your Mets, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then you have James Italion, who is good. And then you had difference. And then you have to choose between Herman, who I see promising, and Luis Severino, who the only question with him is can he stay healthy, which right now he is. So they have a really solid pitching staff. And, and in addition, in the um in the bullpen, they have they had Clay Holmes, who he's injured, he's on the IL right now. But when he was when he was right, because there's a little bit of a period where he kind of fell off a cliff and then he turned to trash. But when he was right in the first half of the season, there was a legit argument to be made between him and Edwin Diaz, who um, between who's the best closer in the game. There was, because when Clay Holmes came into the game, you knew that the Yankees were going to win. It, it, it was basically, you could carve that in stone the same way that we could say that for Edwin Diaz. Um, additionally, when you look at the Mets, they have Adovino, they have Lugo, who are really solid um, relief pitchers. And on the other side, the Yankees have Trevino, who they just acquired, who is solid. They also have Aroldis Chapman, who's starting to figure it out. And they also have- um, They still have Chapman? Yeah. He he lost the closer role um, because he was kind of all over the place a little. Um, but he's starting oh, to mix in more pitches. <laughs> also, when your whole- He's basically going through the phase that every athletically, every basketball player whose performance is just built solely on their athleticism is going through because the, uh, the velocity- isn't there anymore because he's aging obviously the velocity is still high but it's just not it's just not 103 it's not the like 103 yeah like he's when he um, was, came up with cincinnati yeah in like Chicago. and they were trying to um, convert him into a, a starting pitcher or whatever and also another thing with Rose chapman that he has to figure out is how to pitch in innings that don't have the number nine in them mm-hmm. because if you put him in a, in the eighth inning and you ask him to get six outs like you can for edward diaz he can't do it if you put him in the seventh inning he's confused he's starting to figure it out though which is a good thing. But that being said, I, I see both teams pitching wise in the same scenario. Um, when you look at the Mets, on the other hand, in terms of starting pitching, um, Jacob deGrom has only pitched like three games so far. Mm-hmm. He was out most of the season. Max Scherzer had that time, like six to eight weeks where he was on the I.O. Carlos Carrasco, who I think is one of the best um, stories for the Mets in terms of what you were, cons- when you were, um, what you were expecting out of him coming into the season compared to what he has given you so far. Um, I, there was a time where every single Mets game I went to, for some reason, Carlos Carrasco was pitching and he is like, I, I, I enjoy watching him pitch pitch. He's a really good pitcher. So that's, that's, that's all like to kind of moderate between your Mets fandom and your Yankees. Hey, I just wanted to insert that, um, opinion, mostly fact, but, um, that in there <laughs> to kind of moderate between the two, because you're from the Bronx, like. And you're a New Yorker. I'm just saying, like, I don't get the beef, to be honest with you. Like, 
like obviously you prefer one team to win but if the other team wins like i'd rather like if i'm a mess if i'm a diehard mets fan i'd rather the yankees win than the braves if i'm being honest with you Listen, and if you're a yankees fan you'd rather the mets win versus the red sox hell no <laughs> if if it's the atlanta braves i'm telling you you would rather the Atlanta the, Braves hate, win over the Yankees. I hate the Yankees more than any National League East opponent. Oh my! I don't. God. Out of all the teams in the National League East, I hate the Phillies the most. I think um, all Mets fans can say that we hate the Phillies. Can say that. We hate the Phillies the most. Obviously, the Braves have the best players, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we hate the Phillies the most. I hate the Yankees more than I hate the Phillies. So if Why? the Yank, if the Yankees <laughs> are playing in the World Series against the Atlanta Braves or the Phillies or who uh, another team that the Mets dislike? I am rooting for that team That's because I do not want to see the Yankees win. I do not want any more prosperity for this organization. I, 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 I think you need to rename your 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 podcast the Queens Bias Podcast. Well, again, a whole listen, bunch I, of Queens I, Bias, and right I there. understand like it's weird. Like people be like, "What? You're from the Bronx and you don't like the Yankees?" Like people be like, "Come so confused." But I made it a point to make the colors Mets colors, if you notice. Oh, my God. So, like, I'm letting you know, like, hey. I like this I'm inside Mets look fan. that we're getting here. It's a, it's I'm a, a Mets your, your process. So, <laughs> yeah, but the Yankees, listen, man, listen. I, I feel like most of the Mets hatred comes from, like, we're like the little brother, mm-hmm. in a sense. Like, you know, it's like the Giants and the Jets. And, and, you know, in that way, the Knicks and the Nets, the Nets mm-hmm. have Katie and Kyrie and nobody cares. The Barclays Center tickets are still cheap. Yeah. So I just think it's like that little brother. You know what I mean? And that's how I essentially we always have that underdog. You know, we didn't have the Steinbrenner's payroll. Our former owners before Cohen got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. We've been we've been scuffling out here. And then it just I guess that mentality of you're always the underdog. You just hate seeing the top dog succeed. Like, we hate that Brady has seven rings, you know, naturally. Mm -hmm. It's just because, like, damn, when are you going to stop being good? Lose, retire. (laughs) Lose, right. You know, (laughs) when is it over for you? Your family misses you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that's really, like, the ethos of it. And, again, when I was eight years old, Roger Bumass Clemens, off them roids, okay? Took the bat and threw it at my piazza. I was ready to fight, yo. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no. I was eight. And the Mets, of course, lost in five games. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, ever since then, I've just been like, never. Like, And I've been to Yankee Stadium. I've been to old Yankee Stadium. I've been to new Yankee Stadium. I only go when they play the Mets. Um, And Yankee Stadium's trash. Like, City Field's way better. Like, I just don't understand, like, everyone's Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. But when you really look at the details, the Mets play in a better ballpark. They have mm-hmm. a better fan experience. They have a better broadcast team. They have better uniforms. It's just, you know, the Yankees have 28 championships. And I'm air quoting here. Twenty. All right. Let's switch gears into some football now. I I I don't want to get too in depth into this, but I get I guess give me one hot take for this NFL season. One hot take. Let me see. All right. I think I don't know if this is a hot take. I got my favorites for MVP, mm-hmm. and you know they always give it to quarterbacks, and that's something I don't like. Pers- I don't like that necessarily. 
Because I do think sometimes like wide receivers have great seasons or running backs have amazing seasons. They almost never get consideration, but I understand it is what it is. Quarterback league. I think, honestly, I got two front runners for MVP and they're in the same division. I think Russell Wilson or Derek Carr is going to win MVP. That is a Russell, Russell Wilson is a because I think Russell Wilson because one, the Seahawks have never really had an offense with as many skill players. And I know one of the, the wide receivers for the Broncos got hurt. I think it was Patrick mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. He got hurt. I understand that. But I think the Broncos have two really good running backs, Gordon and Williams. Mm-hmm. I think their wide receivers are good. Jerry Judy, I think he's going to benefit so much from having Russell Wilson because we've seen how DK no, Metcalf developed. Mm-hmm. We've seen how Tyler Lockett was so valuable. And that's a core direct correlation to Russell Wilson. So I think they have they have uh they have Judy Hamler, they have uh the two running backs, and they have one more wide receiver I can't think of. I think he's gonna have a you. really I think he's gonna have a really, 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 really good season. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how many games they're gonna win. Obviously, you probably have to win at least 10 to get MVP to win. Mm-hmm. But I also think Derek Carr, and this is why I think Derek Carr. We just learned that. The Raiders were trying to get Brady and Gronk. Mm-hmm. Dana White spilled the beans. We also then learned that when Brady was on the shot with LeBron and he said, y'all want this motherfucker over me? He was talking about Derek, Derek Carr. Carr. That's, that's basically he just got his best friend in the whole wide world, Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in football on the team. I really think that Derek Carr is going to have a really, really good season. I could say 4,500 yards maybe. And let's say 35 touchdowns. And if he keeps that interceptions to at least 12 or below mm-hmm. and the Raiders win at least 10 games, because you saw what they were able to do last year after the whole Gruden fiasco. Yeah. No, he that, held that them was together. Yeah. He held them together. Mm-hmm. And I just think now with better players, with a more offensive minded head coach with Josh McDaniels losing Patriots, losing him is big. Mm-hmm. I really can see Derek Carr winning MVP, bro. I really can see it. I can see it happening. Okay. So I agree with everything you said, except for your conclusion. I'm telling that, you. I'm telling that, you. I no, it is a hot it. take. No, it is a hot take. That division is probably the hardest yeah. division of all time. For sure. Because all four teams, I can, I can see a universe where – probably the Chiefs win the division and the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos get in as wild cards. I can I can see it. Me too. However, Lamar Jackson wants his money. Oh, he does. And he should get it. I don't understand. Like, yeah, I don't understand it either. Pay the he, man. He put up he put on 25 pounds. We don't know how that's going to affect him though. That could have that could hurt him. We don't know. I think he never played at that weight at any level. I think he'll be fine, to be honest with you, because of the fact that even if there's a little decrease in speed, he was already the fastest player in the league anyway. So you basically have Cam Newton who can run faster. It's basically what the equivalency would be. When you look at the Raiders, you see that their defense. First of all, this this is honestly this is all I have to say about the um the Ravens. Excuse me, Gus Edwards is the only player that they're expecting to contribute big for them this season that is hurt. Okay. Oh, so they real. yeah, last year they were really hurt. They were last year. They were the mere fact that 
um, the mere fact that Lamar Jackson had the Baltimore Ravens as a number one seed winning eight games halfway through the season before he got injured and they fell off a cliff, they should have given the MVP for that. They should have just called off everything and been like, it doesn't matter. We don't care what happens. None of y'all are as impactful as Lamar Jackson. And I think he's going to do it again with actual, like with the players that are supposed to be playing on the team, like playing. So that's one guy that we can look at for MVP. Patrick Mahomes. They lost, they lost Hollywood Brown though. That's big. Who's Hollywood Brown, it, Hollywood Brown, Mark led the league in drops. Um, drops. Like that doesn't like understanding how I can't say decimated because it's not like they had great wide receivers and then they and they were don't. injured. They still understanding don't. how scarce or how scarce the skill is in that position and understanding that Hollywood Brown led the league in drops. Most like is consistently dropping the ball. That doesn't mean much to me. He still has Mark Andrews, and that's basically the only guy that he really needs to rely on in terms of throwing the ball. We need to see other players, and I like what uh, Steve Young said in terms of Lamar has the capacity to throw, but the Ravens don't allow him to, which I can see that. I can get on board of that because when you're watching Lamar play, I understand that the running is like the main attraction, but let's not get it twisted. The man can throw too. So... That's one person I have in the MVP conversation. Patrick Mahomes, sure, he lost Tyreek Hill. At yeah. the same time, like, it's a more complete receiving core. Mm -hmm. It's not just Tyreek Hill, um, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey. Like, there are, like, three or four guys on every play that are legit targets, legit threats. So I think that that's going to be an issue for players to de deal with. Justin Herbert is that guy. He's nice. He is that guy. I... He's not. I'm not. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the league. He's top ten. He By is. the end of the season, he may be top five. He's that good. So, and it's funny because I'm. I guess I'm saying all this to kind of merge into my hot take, which is which I will admit is nonsensical. If Justin Fields throws twenty touchdowns this year, he should be MVP because that's how bad the Chicago Bears <laughs> roster is. Now we're talking about most valuable player. I take it literally. I take it to me. If you take this player off this team, what happens to the team? If Justin Fields throws 20 touchdowns this year, uh -huh. he should be MVP. What are your well, thoughts look, on this? The Bears, I don't know what's good with the Bears. <laughs> the Bears are like allergic to quarterback. Yeah. Like they, I believe, and I think this is true. They have never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season. Probably true. The, the best quarterback that they've ever had is um, Jay Cutler. Which is crazy. It is crazy. So the Bears, like, and I feel like you see what the Chargers did. The Chargers said, we have this good young quarterback. We see he's good off the bat. What we're going to do is we're going to create the perfect environment for this guy because he's still young. He's still cheap. So we can surround him with special talent and we could try to get a Super Bowl out of this. They got the great offensive linemen. They got Mike Williams. They got Keenan Allen. Is uh, they got Austin Eckler. They're Austin making Eckler is sure underrated. they're making sure that Justin that Justin Herbert will be successful. The Bears, it seems like, just want to make Justin Fields' job harder and mm -hmm. harder and harder and harder. And it's like, why wouldn't you? 
you know that you can see the talent flash. You he's had flashes. You see it. But that's bad why as the roster you, was last year. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take the steps to keep Allen Robinson to hire uh, the new coach? I still think he's a defensive coach. I don't think he he's an offensive coach. coach. Yeah, he is a defensive coach. Like you understand that the league is all about quarterback. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. If your quarterback's trash, you're not getting anywhere. The Bears. I want to say like 2018, they were 12 and four. They mm-hmm. had the best defense in the league. And what happened? Trubisky. They lost to Nick Foles in the playoffs mm-hmm. because their quarterback wasn't good enough. So I just, that's what I'm not understanding about Chicago. That's what I don't understand about certain teams. When they have the player, the caliber of a Lamar Jackson, of a Justin Fields, do whatever you can to support that player because then you'll get the best out of the player and then you'll have success. And then you guys can keep your jobs and you guys can get more jobs. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, why do these guys not take care of what is going to get them paid or what's going to get them more opportunities? I don't get it. I personally all, just don't get it. Justin Fields paired with Eric Bieniemy would have been a terror for the league. Why I think that would have been a get a job? He, he deserves a job. Um, the one thing I will say about the Bears is if this year is a tank year and they go into free agency next year and they spend however much they need to spend and they upgrade everything and they draft whatever they need to draft, then I'm fine with this year being a tank year. But we have to see, because right now they have Roquan Smith, who is regarded as one of the best linebackers in the league, and they're not even trying to pay him. So, and he's young. It's not like Khalil Mack, who... Still a really good player, Still but at good. the same time, he's kind of he's 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 aging a little. It's not like okay, we're not gonna by the time we're good, you're not gonna be here anymore. So you can just go. Roquan Smith can be here for can be in Chicago for the next five years, and that should be more than enough time for Chicago to be a legit threat in the NFC. So we'll have to see with that, but I guess that that's my hot take at least just to point out how bad the bears look on paper. Also, I got another, I got another hot take in the same division. I think that the Detroit lions are going to win at least eight games this season. 17 game. They're going to go eight. That's a, that's a, that's a a colder. That's a cold. That's colder than your first take, but I'll take that. I think I just, they have the, 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 um, culture that they built. That's what I'm, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with that. Yeah, no, they and also the the Packers, they still have that good defense. Aaron Rodgers is still that guy still until that guy. until you get to the NFC championship. Um <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he's already complaining about his receivers is an issue to me. And but you see, I, I look at that differently, mm-hmm. right? One thing we've always heard about Aaron Rodgers is oh, he's passive aggressive, oh, he rolls his eyes, he thinks he's more he thinks he's above everybody he he will look at you with the side eye and disgust i like the fact that he's calling dudes out mm-hmm. that he's showing that he gives a fuck mm-hmm. he's showing that he cares he's showing like yo i want you guys to elevate i want you guys to be good i think that's good i think that's something that we haven't seen from him normally usually yeah. we just hear r-e-l-a-x now he's actually like really getting in dudes faces trying to rile them up i think that's going to be good for the packers i i I see where you're coming from. My only issue is that you decided to get paid $50 million a year. And because of that, Devontae Adams had to go. And now you're complaining because they couldn't replace the talent at the receiver core. So like, it's kind of a self-inflicted 
issue, which is why he's not really getting much sympathy sympathy from me as from many people. I'm sure that he isn't getting much sympathy from. But it's still Aaron Rodgers. Like he's still like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Someone like someone saying, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but there aren't many names I'd pick over him. I think um, he's I think he's still the best quarterback in the league. Patrick I think Mahomes, Mahomes is too. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Patrick Mahomes. I think, the the way that Patrick I've never seen I've never seen it be so apparent in a Super Bowl loss that a player is that guy. Right. I've never I, seen I, that. I feel you on that. I feel he, you on that. He his body was horizontal to the turf, throwing passes, hitting his receivers in their face masks right here, and they could not catch the ball. Literally putting it where it's supposed to be in any angle, it doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Whoever is going to be number two, you can discuss it. Patrick Mahomes is that guy. The only players that I will entertain in Patrick Mahomes' atmosphere being so high up there, truthfully, because they're still young and they still have time to develop and get there, are Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. That's it. I think, I still think that Aaron Rodgers is the best just because, like, because it just, it don't make sense how good he is. Like, you watch, you watch whatever you know about football. Your feet have to be set. Mm -hmm. You use your hips. You know, you, boom. Aaron Rodgers just throw the ball like that. Yeah. No, I don't. It's like he's doing this. To your your point. Back shoulders, fades, (laughs) 60-yard go routes, and he's just doing this. His feet be like this. (laughs) He throw the ball like a flick of his finger, and it's on time and on target every time. He has the best touchdown to interception ratio, I think, in the history of the league. Yeah, that's true. And he has the amount of attempts to cover it. Mm -hmm. This dude is crazy. I think off the top of my head, the top five quarterbacks in the league are Aaron Rodgers, number one, Patrick Mahomes, number two. I'm still going Brady, number three. Mm -hmm. I got Josh Allen. And I will go, just because of the Super Bowl win, Matthew Stafford. Oh, that's a bad list. That's a good list. That's a bad list. Let me That's tell you why. List. You forgot about Lamar Jackson, who he can't be top five yet. Yes, he can. Yeah. As far as I'm well, concerned, he's number two. Me. No. Why not? No. Because Lamar Jackson's team doesn't even believe in his abilities. I'd say the none team, of those other it. players, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, are never like, oh nah, you gotta chill. Ain't nobody going to tell Brady, oh, nah, you got to chill. Or Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford do no-look passes in the Super Bowl. You know what, you know what I think it is? Lamar team won't even give him 35 pass attempts. You know, you know what I think it is? I think it's the fact that, well, first of all, when have the Ravens ever really had a good quarterback? They're in the same, as the, they're in the same um, category as the Bears. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can argue that their best quarterback of all time is Joe Flacco right now. Joe Flacco. Because of of, in the jump between Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, the gap between those two is huge. So Lamar has it. Lamar is a top five quarterback. The fact that he was ranked the 40th or 36th best player in the league right now is outrageous to me. He is top five. If you know, if you understand his impact on the game, he is a top five player in the league. And first of all, the only player who isn't a quarterback that I'd even consider in that tier in the first place is Aaron Donald. Um, He's, God. 
he's the only he's, he's the only he's player he's the only non-quarterback I'll put in that in that tier of possibly being the best quarter the best player in the league. He's a monster. But my list would have to be Patrick Mahomes number one. I don't rank people. This will be this will be my top five. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, not in order. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jack, uh, Lamar Jackson, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, um, Josh Allen, as you said, and probably Justin Herbert will probably be yeah. my top five. I think that those guys are worth being in the top ten. I don't think they're worthy of five yet. Like Brady threw for what forty. He, he led the league in passing yards, led the league in passing touchdowns for so a season that you – a season that he admitted that he was like, oh, nah, I'm done after this. It's a loaded team, though. Let's see, need, let's see what happens this, let's see what happens this year. Play, listen, but you that's need a, good but, players. But that's, a, but that's the thing, though. Like, I've seen players do – like, not do more, but, like, I've seen players do – have more impressive seasons when you consider what's around them and what they were expected to do compared to what they actually did. But now Brady also, remember, before he got to Tampa, he's throwing to Danny Amandola, mm-hmm. Wes Welkers of the world, Julian Randy Moss. of the world. He had Randy Moss he had, for three he had, seasons. He had Gronk he had, he had Gronk when and he had Randy when, they Moss, both, when they were both up there. When he had Randy Moss for those three seasons, they were undefeated until the Super Bowl. Yeah. So when you give him those guys, you no, see I, what he can do. I fully, I fully agree with you. All I'm saying is that Tom Brady has never been in a situation like Lamar Jackson last year. Never. I think his last year in New England, he didn't get done any favors, and they still won 12 games. But you have the best. You you still have. They still had a pretty solid they didn't defense. Do him and they didn't do him. They didn't. They did favors. They did not, and that's why. That's ultimately why. And that's why he got the hell out yeah, of there. That's ultimately why he left. But he still had a good team around you. It. it the Ravens were – if I told you that the Ravens lost three out of their four best offensive players and then on the other side lost their – I think they lost both their cornerbacks, didn't they? They did. Like like the amount of loss that they had in that season, and I told you that in midway through, they'd be the number one seed in a league with Patrick Mahomes and all these great quarterbacks, especially in the AFC. You would have laughed in my face. And rightfully so, because because without you seeing it, you would think that you would think that I don't know what I'm talking about at all. But that's fact. That's what happened last year. That's reality of the situation. And I don't see any other quarterback in that situation doing a better job that Lamar Jackson did. I think that Lamar Jackson is top ten. I I would say I would have him number eight right now if I had to just think. And I and I'm basing my rankings not just off of talent, mm-hmm. but off of like overall production and also what your team. None of the quarterbacks that I have above Lamar Jackson, their teams are never going to say we want to hold you back or we don't trust you in certain situations. Now again, that could be just the play callers. I think that John Harbaugh and the crew are wilding because I he think John, Har- John Harbaugh. He good. saved. I think it's Greg he Mar- saved Greg all of their jobs. Yeah, like, he mm-hmm. saved John Harbaugh's job. He saved mm-hmm. Greg Roman's job. Mm-hmm. He. Definitely did, and I think they – I don't understand why they're not, like, understanding that. But I think even, like, a guy like Joe Burrow, they – the Joe Burrow had the worst offensive line in football, period. They went to the Super Bowl. I'm not buying Now, again, that. you got Jamar Chase. I'm not buying Boyd, into that. You got T. Higgins. Can I add – can bro, I add one – can I add one point to that, though? 
the reason why they won and they got into the Super Bowl was because in the second half, it was so clear that the Kansas City Chiefs took their foot off the gas. That's not it was his so fault. clear. That's not but fault. at the same time, you're not but you're not playing anyone at their like it's self-inflicted. Don't get Listen, me wrong. If you're Chiefs... taking your foot off the gas in the playoffs, then there's something wrong with you. That's how good Patrick this ain't Mahomes week is. Five. This <laughs> That's ain't how week good five. Patrick Mahomes is. This ain't were, week five. This ain't week eight. This is I the mean, AFC chip game. Considering that we've seen the Chiefs be down 20 and come back and win by 20 in playoff games. You live, you live, you live on the edge and you die on the edge. That's true. If That's I true. got a chance in the AFC chip game to beat you 52 to zero, I'm trying to beat you 52 to zero. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm not, I I'm not agree. taking it easy on you. So if I'm just saying the presence of mind to still be able to overcome, you got to put that high. And it's only a second season in the league. I'm not. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he has the chance to be top five. He's just not in my top five right now. I think he's. I, I think he's really good. Like I'm really high on him too. I'm just saying that I think that people are overreacting to the Super Bowl appearance a little bit too much. Is all. I think that what Joe Burrow's been able to do ever since he stepped in the league has been very impressive. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's the same lightning that we got when we saw Lamar Jackson. But mm-hmm. I just think, like, playing behind that line, not being able to run like Lamar can, tearing his ACL because the line has just been so trash, and then the next season coming back and getting them to the Super Bowl, that has to put you high. Now, I don't know what will happen to the team going forward, but if they keep Chase, at least Chase and Higgins, or at least Chase and Boyd, and they got, uh, what's the tight end? No, the tight end left, didn't he? I think so. I'm not Yeah, I'm not all right, sure. well. They find a comparable tight end. Mm-hmm. They have Joe Mixon. I just think that Burrow is going to be really good. And I'm saying all this as I'm a Steelers fan, as you can see. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. And let's keep it that and way. Not, I do not, not want to talk about and Kenny not Pickett oh, and uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky. Listen. Or Mason Rudolph. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. The, the the last thing I'll say on this point before we start wrapping this uh segment up or this this episode up is – Lamar Jackson is younger than Joe Burrow. He is? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, Joe Burrow is like 25. Lamar is 24. Oh, shoot, for real? Yeah, Lamar, like statistically, Lamar is at his age. Lamar is the best throwing quarterback of all time at his age. Well, I'm going to have to think about that because I don't know about that. No, that's statistics. Wait, so at 20, you're saying at 24 years old, no one else threw the ball better than Lamar Jackson? Yes. Wasn't Marino like twenty three when he when they got to the Super Bowl twenty four like, at least Marino? That was but that was back in the day when like quarterbacks now matter way more than they used to in terms of like yeah. the throwing talent and stuff like that. But Marino like, was came into the league on some shit and he, he was young as hell too. Statistically, he wasn't Lamar. I, I think that I, I I I can't agree with that right now. I have it's a, to no, it's a, like if you look at, if you look it up, it's a fact. Like if I you have look to it do up, some research on yeah, that. go and get back to me, please. <laughs> but, I don't know um, about that. <laughs> but um, as I as we wrap this up, it's now time for the final segment on the It's All Opinion podcast, it's the segment where guests get to speak their piece. So this is basically your time to promote whatever projects are coming up or say whatever is on your mind. You have a minute and your minute starts now. All right. So my name is Denzel. I'm from the Bronx. My podcast is called The Bronx Bias Podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Um, you can check me out also on my website, bronxbiaspod.com. On there, you will see my merchandise, like the sweater I'm wearing right now. 
You can see uh, my blog, the Bronx Bias blog. You can also uh, get in contact with me, send me questions if you want to submit to the show or figure out how to be on the show. Or if you're a writer and you want to submit to the blog, you can. Um, and my my final, like the last thing I want to leave you guys with is one, LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever. And number two, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. I think Let's I think I think you're Mets. I think I think you're Let's missing a word. Let's go Mets. I think you're missing Let's a word in there. Let's go Mets. <laughs> Let's go Mets. I was I was I was looking for the Let's fucking go Mets, but Let's if you would fucking go Mets. <laughs> that's the word I was. That's the word I was directing you towards. Yeah. Um, and Le- LeBron James greatest basketball player ever. I'm not arguing. All right. Well, that being said, this has been the It's All Opinion podcast. You can find the links to Denzel Rogers' Instagram and Twitter and also the Bronx Bias podcast in the description. Um, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you being here. Um, this has been the It's All Opinion podcast. I am Nate Sperlin. Um, I don't know how much time we have until Zoom kicks me off. So we are out. <laughs> wow.